Hello and welcome to the Best of Fives, the show that could be about anything <laughs> at any time with, with anyone, anybody. Stupid Lou. Inserted anywhere you can fit it. Whoa. <laughs> All five. <laughs> Just ten. That's a whole nother show. We should call it Best of Tens. Ooh. It really is ten. Well, what we're talking about today, and by we, I'm Dave, and I'm joined by the sexiest podcaster in North America, and that would be Tim. I thought that was Lou. I should be second sexiest. I'm trying to throw you a bone here. Okay. <laughs> the t- <clears throat> See, Lou's got the tattoos that makes him edgy. I don't have edge. I'm just I'm just a big circle. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. Well, get yourself some tats. Yeah, that's... Gary Busey lives. <laughs> Is that what you would get? That's what I would get. Right on your face. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be like, uh, what's his name? Um, Tyson? Tyson, yeah. <laughs> Today, Tim and I have the pleasure of talking about what to me is what many would agree the preeminent rock band of the past two decades. Would you agree with that or disagree with that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, definitely the, the, the most um, commercially successful, I would think, in terms of rock and roll. It's not, not any of that dance and, and electronic stuff. We're talking straight up rock. Yes, this is straight up rock. The band that we're talking about is Foo Fighters, and Tim and I are going to talk about the five best things Foo Fighters have ever done. Five. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <clears throat> this is cool. So let's talk about why this is a, a thing in common for us. You are probably the only person, because we, we just talked about this today. We're going to do a quick show. And what bands do we have in common? The first thing I thought of was Nirvana. And then this was the second one. You are the only person that I know that's ever seen Nirvana live. Yes. I uh, I saw Nirvana at Stabler Arena uh, in November of 93. And um, it, was, it was about a week before they recorded their unplugged thing for MTV. So just to give you a sort of a time frame of how everybody looked and where their mindset, this was like when Nirvana was at their, probably their absolute peak in terms of uh, productivity with having a successful tour, creativity, getting ready for the, the unplugged special and probably at their highest morale, because from what I understand during that time, Kurt Cobain was, at his quote cleanest mm. during the time that they were uh, a, a, um, a you know between the time of Nevermind being released and the time of his death during that era was when that those like two months was when he was clean and as clean and sober as as Cobain could be and okay. I and I was the the whole concert I went to is on you can find it on YouTube if you type in Nirvana Stabler you can see the whole show and I was down on the floor about 15 feet in front of Kurt Cobain for the entire show. So it was it was a very memorable thing. That's cool. I remember you saying, aren't you in the video? You know, there was... Um, I mean, if you look close enough, you might be... I wouldn't be able to recognize me. My friend Broder went, and he was being floated, and I had a video bootleg of it, which is not this YouTube. I've never, I've never seen the video bootleg that I had found uh, anywhere, and... Um, you actually see my friend Broder getting floated and then drop. <laughs> like they weren't paying attention and he just hit the ground. 
So, but well, yeah, that's a good, that's a, he probably didn't care. He, he's probably liked it. <laughs> yeah. No, Tim, Tim Broder, his first name's Tim. So that's why I call him Broder. Uh, yeah, he, that's, that's one. We talk about that every, whenever we get together uh, on the rare occasions, we talk about him being dropped at, at, uh, Nirvana. Okay. So you saw Nirvana and, and we bring it up because of their drummer. Yep. And you saw them maybe at, at a at a at a pinnacle for them. And mm-hmm. then you also saw, and you're the only person that I had known up to a point that had seen Foo Fighters, and you saw them I, I know you told me this story before, but I want you to tell it again. You saw them super early. Like they were just conceived or something. Yeah. They uh yeah, uh, they had just publicly stated, Hey, we're a band. Um and uh I saw them on their first tour before the first album came out. They were, they did a van tour with Mike Watt, who was in Firehose and um, the Minutemen. And they did a tour with, uh, with, with Mike Watt, where they basically just uh, traveled in a van. Uh, uh, the Foo Fighters and uh, Mike Watt uh, uh, traveled in this van on this, this lo-fi tour. And I saw them at the Trocadero in Philadelphia. And I, I remember hearing, like reading in Rolling Stone or something about Dave Grohl starting a band called Foo Fighters. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And, and, and then I saw that they were, I would call the Trocadero's, you know, telephone line once a week to find out who was coming. And, and I heard that they were opening for Mike Watt. And I'm like, oh, we got to go to the show. I don't, I don't know how the, how they're going to sound, but we're going to go to the show. And um, we went and it was packed. Uh, as packed as, as I've ever seen the Trocadero. And then it was awesome. It was just the, you know, seeing the Foo Fighters and being that close again, 10 feet away from Dave Grohl uh, for, for most of the show and not knowing any of the songs, everybody kept thinking, are they going to play Marigold? Are they going to play Marigold? Which was the B side uh, that, that girl, that girl sang on one of the singles for um, Nirvana. And they, they never played Marigold during Mm -hmm. that set. Uh, and then as soon as Foo Fighters left the stage, everybody, it cleared out. It, like if, let's say there was a thousand people there to start with, you know, Foo Fighters were like, thank you. Good night. hundred people left in the, in the, in the building. I was one of the hundred people and uh, out comes Mike Watt and his band was Dave Grohl and Pat Smear on uh, guitar and drum. And, Eddie Vedder on guitar and uh, and Mike Watt, <laughs> and so though all those assholes that had left missed one of the greatest fucking shows on the planet. It's, it you can find there's a write up on it in Rolling Stone from 1990. It, I saw him in May of '95, so it, it, there's a write up in Rolling Stone about the show that I went to, uh, which was which is pretty awesome. <laughs> and and there was only a hundred people there. Yeah, everybody was there for Foo Fighters. As soon as Foo Fighters were done, it cleared out, and there was no nobody was left. It was like, holy crap! And even before Foo Fighters, seeing Nirvana, half of Foo Fighters was Sunny Day Real Estate, and I had seen Sunny Day Real Estate uh, about a year earlier um, at, at the same place at the at the Trocadero. So I saw both both halves of um, of the Foo Fighters before they were the Foo Fighters. Uh, at you know during that during their, their pre Foo Fighter era, I guess. Right. So who was the, do you remember the line? Like, I mean, the, there've been people that have come and gone, like you mentioned Pat Smear. Um, but the main lineup that people recognize is Grohl, <laughs> Taylor Hawkins, Chris Shiflett, and Nate Mendel. Yeah. Um, is that who you saw? 
I've seen that lineup. Uh, no, this was uh, Grohl, Smear, Mendel, and the drummer, the first drummer. I can't remember his name. Okay. The, yeah, the the guy that's not Taylor Hawkins. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the guy who the guy who who recorded his drum drums uh, stuff for the second album, and then Grohl went in and re-recorded them, which okay. is kind of a dick move. <laughs> but hey, but hey, he's Dave Grohl. Yeah, he's the drummer for Tenacious D. You don't mess with him. <laughs> <laughs> so then, and then, I mean, I know, and because I remember hearing that story, and and things have gone on, and and people become interested in things, and you used to make CDs all the time, and yeah. you still do. I do. And you you made these CDs, and there was all these like really weird bootleggy kind of things on there and you had these recordings not that this is even Foo Fighters you had these recordings of Dave Grohl on I think it was Conan O'Brien or Letterman singing singing Tiny Dancer Tiny Dancer and he did Stairway to Heaven and I think he did (laughs) Baby Hold On to Me Eddie Money Baby Hold On to Me and he's like he's like talking through them and playing And, and this the legend of him and just how not only talented mu- musically he is, but how funny they are yeah. s- starts to grow. So their their videos certainly help the early creative ones, and then the later funny ones starts to add to their legend. Um, but then not too long, probably after that, we saw Foo Fighters together. Yes. That was the third time I saw Foo Fighters, and that is... Actually, the last time that I've seen them, I have not seen Foo Fighters since that time that I saw it with you. That was two thousand four, three or four. Okay. So it's been it's been at least twelve or thirteen years since I've seen Foo Fighters. They've come through Nashville uh, since I since I lived in Nashville. They've played Nashville three times, um, and I I was broke the first time they came through. The second time they came through, I was unable to go because it was. It was it was this Halloween show where they played the Ryman, which is this relatively small place. And then I don't know why I didn't go when they played this past October. I, I for whatever reason, I I didn't get tickets and and missed the show. Yeah, but we with that show that we saw. I mean, you and I have talked about doing another show, which we will do eventually. The 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 best five shows we've ever seen. Yeah, and that's already just spinning in my head is in major contention for that because it was in Camden. It was uh, a place that's generally a summer concert venue where they open it up and you can sit on this Mm -hmm. big hill and it's very cool. And uh, I'm going to actually see two shows there this summer. And this was in the winter, I think. Yeah, it was like February and it was just in the enclosed amphitheater. They closed the, they put a wall up where Mm -hmm. there normally is no wall. Right. I don't even remember. I don't even remember what the place was called then, because it's, it's been called the Blockbuster Entertainment Center, the Tweeter Center, the 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 Wells Fargo. No, not the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, it's been called a thousand things. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't. I don't even try to keep track track of it. It's it changes every other year. Yeah. But uh, that show was unbelievable. For it was kind of like a. It wasn't a festival festival, but there were several bands that played before them, and I know one of them was called the Replacements. They- and what. Well, it no, was, the uh, the transplants. The transplants. Sorry, and it was people from other bands that created a band, like the drummer from Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah, and uh, the guys from Rancid, and yeah, I can't remember who, who the other band was that would have opened. I can't. Yeah. So there was that kind of stuff, but yeah. then they came out and and I like I said, we we both really enjoy live music, and this was one that I'll 
never forget just because of their energy, the volume, because they had this place enclosed, mm-hmm. the, the amount of, the amount of drugs I've been to, <laughs> I've been to a few shows where there's a lot. In fact, you and I saw, and don't hold this against us, uh, Dave Matthews band. And, uh, <laughs> I always tell the story about that show. Yeah, there was a lot of drugs at that show. Yeah. This this show was insane. It was a haze of smoke that you could yeah. barely see them through. And it was a two and a half hour rocking event. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was on the one by one tour and they released a a DVD of that tour and I, I own that DVD and it it was just such a such a great show. Such a great show. I agree. All yeah. right. Well, should we get to our picks? I don't want to yes. belabor this too long. Does it bother? This has nothing to do with the picks. Does it bother you when people call them the Foo Fighters? No, not really. I think I call them the Foo Fighters sometimes. It, it all depends on on the context. But yeah, most of the time I, I just say, "Oh yeah, I saw Foo Fighters," but I don't necessarily say I saw. Well, so I guess I would say I saw the Foo Fighters at times. But no, yeah. I I don't I don't I try not to call them the Foo Fighters, but I guess I don't really pay much attention to it. Yeah. No, 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 I don't know what to mean. Yeah. Just think of, I think I've even heard them call themselves the Foo Fighters. We are the Foo Fighters. But when I when when I say it, I generally don't add the the yeah. because that's not their freaking name. <laughs> there is no the. <laughs> All right, I'll go first. Okay. Counting back from five, and you said you would like to allow for two honorable mentions, yes. which is uh, which is really. Uh, Kind of mature of you because we could have dozens of yeah. There's a million. I, I yeah. As I was writing my list, I was constantly like writing, scratching out, moving, and I was like, and then I was like, then I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll put these two in the in the, in the honorables. <laughs> All right. Well, my number five is from One by One, which you have mentioned, and the song it's a little more of an obscure one, and it's it is Lonely as You. Oh yeah. And I love that song for many, many reasons. Like I said, they're so so talented musically, visually, whatever. But that song is really complex to me. The the almost the entire song is harmony, and I love to sing. And when that CD came out, I played that top to bottom, T to B, <laughs> all the time. And I'm taking my son to preschool when he was little. Like I remember, like him listening to this. That song is almost a hundred percent harmony yeah. and it's, it builds. And the, when I sing, when I sing generally, cause I have a lower voice, I sing the baseline of songs and the baseline of that song is so sweet. And it's yeah. almost like when you sing it, like I'm singing with him and it's stupid. I know I'm not singing with him, I'm singing with a recording of him, but it was, it's such a fun song to listen to and to sing along with. And I don't know that a lot of people know it, but I love it. It's my number five. That song really does rock because yeah, it, it's it's kind of a slow burn at start, but yeah, it yeah, it's all about memory of uh, me- memory. It's all about melody. I usually sing the higher part when I when I sing along to it. We should sing it together sometime, Tim. That's right. We should. <laughs> we'll have to do a Star Wars version of it for Swick. <laughs> okay, I'll start. I'll start writing right away. <laughs> so yeah, that that song's really great. Yeah, that that one that one is one of my favorites off that album. So nice. Yeah. What's your, what's your number five? Well, my number five is off of the first their first album, and it's the closing track on uh, the the first Foo Fighters album, and the song is called "Exhausted." And do you know do you know the song by by title? No, I don't. It's it closes it closes the album out, and it's real staticky, 
And the song itself is just average, but the guitar solo and the riff in the middle just get me every time. It's just like, it's a real plodding beat. And then in the middle, all of a sudden he just like pulls out this riff. It's like, and it's real. It's got a great guitar solo, but when I think about the first album, it's like alone and easy target. And this is a call are the, like the ones that stand out as like the, the songs that you would hear on the radio. And this is like a, a deep cut that I really like for the, for that guitar riff in the, in the, in the middle. It's really cool. Awesome. Yeah. This is a kind of like, there are Foo Fighters people that will listen to this and they'll know stuff that other people won't know, but it's like any of these shows, the ones we've done with songs or movies, if you don't know it, you can go listen to it. Like I love people referring new music to me. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you go back and, and listen to this song, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. When you hear that guitar riff and be like, Oh shit. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> All right, cool. My number four is a cover. And I don't know. I mean, I did kind of what probably you did nowadays with iTunes and things like that. Music is easy to get, but in the days of CDs, if you're a completist, like I am mm-hmm. from many different artists, you're going on eBay and you're buying, you know, B-sides of this, that, the other thing. And I did that for Foo Fighters. And I got this as a B-side on Learn to Fly. It was a UK, it was the UK single, CD single of Learn to Fly. And it's their cover of Pink Floyd's Have a Cigar. Oh, yeah. Which is a great song in and mm-hmm. of itself. And they don't go crazy with it. They don't like try to change it a whole lot. You can tell it's it's their homage to Pink Floyd, which is a great song anyway. And they kill it. And the fact that to me it's a little obscure and I had to kind of work to get it. <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't know if you can just go on. I don't I don't know because I don't do it. I already own this stuff on C D. Um, if you can just go on iTunes and buy Have a Cigar by Foo Fighters. I don't know if you can do that. Um, I don't but, know. Um, I have. Do I have that? No, I don't. For some for some reason, I thought I had it listed in my in my um, uh, my library under the t- under the name Mike Make a Bet. But that's a that's a completely different song, different mm-hmm. B side. Yeah, this was the kind of thing where like you would go on <laughs> you would go on eBay and you're sitting there making the conversion from dollars to <laughs> to pounds. Like how much is this gonna? Yeah. It was all in pounds because it's a, it, I got it from I was sent from England, so I'm like, how much is this in dollars, yo? It's, like, it's fourteen pounds. That's what. That's two hundred forty eight dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Can I write you a check? <laughs> Can I send it to you in pennies? <laughs> so number four, have a cigar for me. Yeah, I do, that song is is really cool. I mean, the, the Pink Floyd version, that's that's my favorite Pink Floyd song. And so, yeah, nice. when, Grohl, when Grohl did it, it was just like, oh, shit. There really great. My number four uh, is, is one of their singles off of what, in my opinion, their greatest album, Wasting Light. Mm. Uh, I chose uh, the, the closing track on that, Walk. Um, there's something about that song that it just... It's it feels like it's happy and it's like bittersweet at the same time when you when you listen to it. Yeah, it's like it's like inspirational. Almost. Yeah, it's like you listen to it and if you're in your car and you really get into it, you almost start to tear up when you hear this song. 
Yeah. They have a few songs on Wasting Life that are like that. Like uh, like These Days is another one of those, or um, uh, Matter of Time. But this one, it just sort of makes you feel it makes you feel good, but at the same time, it makes you feel like, like you lost something. And it's the end of the album, and you're like, and there was this all this talk that they were going to break up after this. So it was like, is this the last Foo Fighters song? So, but I really like the song, and the video is. This is another one of the funny videos where they they redid um, the Michael Douglas movie Walking or uh, Falling Down. Right, has a video. So, yeah, that that was uh, that was the song from they used in Thor, right? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. one. I remember they used this in Thor, and they used uh, Miss the Misery in the boxing robot movie uh, with Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, but yeah, this was in Thor. That's right. Yeah, that's that's cool. This you just brought up them breaking up, and there, that was a recent rumor again because Dave Grohl performed solo on the uh, past Grammys, and mm-hmm. and they, they they did this thing kind of mess with people about how they're putting out a press release. Did you see this video? Uh, I heard about it, but I didn't actually watch the video. But I heard that they were putting out this press release, and they basically said we're staying together. <laughs> Right, but it was a whole big drawn out. It was like a 10-minute video <laughs> of Dave Grohl saying he's leaving and then trying to write his own songs by himself and failing miserably and think <laughs> and thinking it was great. And then the rest of the band sitting around and say, who are we going to get to come in? And the guy that they get, and he comes in and sings with the rest of them, and he kills it, is Nick Lachey. Oh, <laughs> that would have been awesome. I mean, I'll have to go and watch it. I've never seen it. It was on their official site. Okay. And, I mean, it's on YouTube and stuff. Yeah, now, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll go back and watch that as soon as I'm able to. That's cool. And and the thing at the end, they put up text that said something like, we are not fucking breaking up, not <laughs> not now, not ever, or something like that. So <laughs> that's funny. It's funny that you brought up the breaking up thing. <laughs> All right, well, my number three is also from a movie, and you're going to – you're going to have fond memories of this. I bet you can even guess what it is. Is it from the X-Files? <laughs> it is from the X-Files Flight the Future. Now, this song was actually on um, – it was on Color and the Shape. Yeah. But it was a different version. I'm picking the X-Files soundtrack version of Walking After You. Walking After You reprise. Yes. Yeah. Because that is that is like a – gut-wrenching song and and a killer song and that video was not funny that was him like on the other side of a mirror from a woman that was trying to like leave him or yeah. something like that um and i i love the song it's 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 amazingly written and performed and sincere but also i think just because i love that movie so much and we heard it constantly it just got buried in my brain. And if I ever make a mix of things, that always goes on the mix. And except for you can tell the story about what happened to that movie. <laughs> See, I when I when I hear the reprise version of it, it sounds wrong to me because how long how long did we have that movie at the theater? Like let's say we had it for six weeks. Mm-hmm. And there was you guys had a mishap with the print on opening night mm-hmm. and it tore up the it tore up the the credits. It, I, I think it tore up more of that more than that of the movie. I haven't seen the movie, and if I did, I probably wouldn't tell you. <laughs> okay. But I have seen the credits, and uh, the song 
It's, it jumps all around the song. You must have took out like 10 seconds here, four seconds of the song here, two seconds there. Yes, we did. That, <laughs> that was the Walking After You AMC remix. Yeah, you like... Like it'd be like midway through the chorus, then all of a sudden, walking after you, <laughs> exactly. I knew you would appreciate. Yeah, that. yeah. I, whenever I hear that song, it doesn't sound right to me because I heard it five hundred times the other way, and mm-hmm. it doesn't sound right to me. So I have, I really have a hard time listening to that song the normal version. Although I, I couldn't, I couldn't recognize the exact cuts. Uh, if somehow we were able to replicate that, uh, it would be pretty awesome. It would be. But that's my number three, the movie soundtrack version of the song. Not, the other one's fine, but I prefer the, the X-Files version. All right. My number three is the last two picks were closing tracks on, on albums. This one is the opening track on One by One, All My Life. Nice. Oh, that is such a great song. I think that's that and times like these, I think are the only songs that they still play live off of that album. I, from what I understand, they, they don't really like this album. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, they almost broke up making it and they re-recorded it and tossed and threw it out. They literally threw out the entire record hmm. and then re-recorded it again. And there, there was points where they were going to break up and, Dave Grohl was going to go join Queens of Stoney and all this, all this stuff. And um, so they have kind of a weird relationship with this album, but the opening track on this all my life is such a cool, such a cool song. It's one, I I believe it's the song they opened the show that we went to. I think you're right. Yeah. Because that's like, (laughs) anytime any band does this, it reminds me of, uh, John Cusack's rules and high fidelity for yeah. making a good mixtape. <laughs> you got to kick it off with a with a you know like a Kickstarter like this, and then the next song you got to bring it down a little. You know, like he <laughs> he gives the rules, and this song does that better than any other. This like this is a this is a smack in the face. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Uh, yeah, and, and and when I hear it, I do think about the show because I believe they had a big curtain up in front of the stage, and they started the song out. And when it and when it kicks in, they drop the curtain down. Yeah, this, they do that in the video too. There's like yeah. a big black curtain, and it fall. It just falls to the ground, and it's and you. I mean, I don't know how many people there. Was there twenty thousand people there? Probably not even that many. It wasn't that big. Just lose their shit. Yep. It was. It was. It was awesome. They. they if, if if there's one band that knows how to put on a show, it's Foo Fighters. There you go. So that's my number three. All my life. All right. My two and one were no-brainers for me and i know for a fact we saw number two at that show as well mm-hmm. and it's from the color and the shape and i guess to me if they, like everybody has a sound mm-hmm. their sound to me is the combination of the slow and the fast like they'll they'll go into a slow part of a song and then they kick it up yeah and then it goes back to the slow they're very they're very much like a wave um, you have your ebbs and flows of their songs, and I think that's that's kind of their sound. If I had to say what their sound was, and no song does that better. This is to me the quintessential Foo Fighters song. If you wanted to mm-hmm. play an example of what they sound like to somebody, you would play "Hey Johnny Park." Yes, 
And we saw that. I love the end of that song when his voice gets more growly and and with more grit to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really cool song. Yeah, whatever that, whenever that uh, comes up on my iPod, I'm always like, "Fuck yeah!" Yeah, because it, it hits you hard, and then it gets very melodic. Mm-hmm. They could. It's almost like they took they they wrote a rocking song and they wrote a ballad. And they smushed them together. Yeah, uh, it's 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 like a Frankenstein kind of thing, and that's that's to me what they do best, and they do it a lot. And that one to me is the best example. Um, yeah, if I was if no if they hadn't heard of them, so well you want to hear what they sound like? You listen to this. Yeah, hey Johnny Park, that is a, that is a killer song because it starts out with Doll, which is on that album. It starts out Doll, which is kind of like okay, it's real quick, and then it. Kicks into Monkey Ranch, which is an, which to me is a, is a is a good song, and it, it's it's a good starting. But Hey Johnny Park is really where like it gets back, and you just groove, and it's, yeah. it's really cool. Yeah, I like that song a lot. Oh, yeah, that's my number two. Yep, my number two is a cover song, hmm. and um, I remember when there was this album that came. I worked at a mall record store, and again, this is this is going back to the late nineties, and you had to search forever to find. These these obscure things. I did not want to buy this record because there was it was it was um, it was a bunch of bands on the EMI distribution that had recorded cover songs and they put it on. And then I remember the cover had an ostrich head on it and that was the cover. <laughs> and um, I, I didn't want to buy because it, it was like nineteen nineteen or twenty dollars and there was only one song on I wanted and it was this song. Their cover of Jerry Rafferty's Baker Street. No clue. <gasps> do 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 do. Oh, that's do, that song. Do, 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 do. Yeah, Baker that's Street. That, do, that's what do, that's do, called. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Do do. But the again, kind of for the for exhausted, the guitar riff on it is because he he does the sax thing on guitar, and. And then he pulls it back, and you get this real low. This kind of like, I, 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 I'm not a guitar player, so I don't know like what the technical terms are for like the reverb and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, and it's like a seven minute song. Let me see how long it is. No, five and a half minutes. It feels like seven minutes because there's so much to it. But it's it's basically like an instrumental song with like a couple real short verses. But yeah, Baker Street, just mainly for that that the guitar work on the, uh, the saxophone stuff. That sounds cool. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I didn't know that's what that song was called. Yeah. It's in the song. It's like, we're going out on Baker street. I remember when that was on the radio. I mean, I'm old, I'm older than you. I remember when that was on the Jerry, radio. When, yeah. I remember Jerry Rafferty. Cause that was, that that's that was like AM gold, like seventy nine, eighty, eighty one. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say late seventies. Yeah, you might be yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah, that's Baker obs- Street. Uh, that's that's, a, that's that, obscure. Yeah, that's that's that again. That's a that's a deep cut. All right, so it's time for number one. Number one, in my opinion. Now, and and I've done these other kind of shows, and I'll I'll include videos rather than just songs. I just went straight for songs with this because although they are a visual band at time, I was concentrating on the music. We can talk about the videos when you're when we're done doing the songs if you want. Yeah. Um, my number one, and this was as soon as you brought this up. I know my my number one. This is my favorite 
best thing I think they ever did. This is raw, unbridled rock. It's from There's Nothing Left to Lose, which to me is their best album. And it's Stacked Actors. Mm-hmm. And this is another thing. Like, I have, like, I don't know, five versions of this song on my iPod. Like, I got the Australian acoustic <laughs> demo. You know, like, I got this live version. It's the, This is unbridled rock. And this is him, to me, at his best. Yeah. Yeah, so. that that song again. It just it 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 uh, it it hits you. It's it's the opening. It's the opening song, right on. Yep. On there, and yeah, it's a killer song. Mm-hmm. And I remember they they played that on um, Saturday Night Live, and damn it, they they nailed it. Right. Yeah, it's the opening song of the album, and it and that is my that is my favorite Foo Fighters album, and. I I remember even getting the uh, the CD came with a little uh, temporary tattoo ah. of their logo. Like I, I still have that, you know, like that. And but that that song grabs you by the throat when you you know pop that in, like in the old days, like you did. And uh, that that to me is my favorite. Like if I think in them, that's the first thing I think of. I almost put that on. Because like all my life or that were sort of interchangeable, as in like you get this this song that just kicks open a kicks open the door of an album and just it pulls you in immediately. Um, yeah, that song just is so killer, so killer. There you go. It's my number one. What's yours? My number one is is probably their most popular song. It's the song that I guess is the song that really solidified their their place in rock history um, uh, ever long. Nice. That one, uh, it, that's basically like their stairway to heaven. Yeah. That song. That's the song that, that, you know, a hundred years from now when everybody's dead and gone and someone says Foo Fighters, that's the song that's still going to be played on whatever the radio is a hundred years from now. Yeah. That's their, that's their time capsule song. Yeah. It's like, you know, how like Black Sabbath has all these great songs, but you always hear Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of the same thing. This is their Iron Man. This is their Stairway to Heaven. This is the big song for them. And the video of it, I remember I remember the video coming out and thinking, wow, this video is really cool. And uh, it's uh, it was um, directed by the, uh, Michel Gondry. Uh, okay. Who he directed, um, oh, he directed like Eternal Eternal something of the spotless mind, the Jim Carrey yeah, movie. Yeah, the Jim Carrey movie, Kate Winslet, yeah. And the uh, uh, Be Kind, Rewind, those. He's he's done a bunch, and done a Science of Sleep, a bunch of interesting movies, but that that video is really what pulled me in on that song. But really, that song is their, is their greatest song. Uh, it's the one that they're going to be remembered for, and that's why they're number one. It's not necessarily my favorite song of theirs, but I just had to put it on there as like that's the song. If you go see them play and they don't play it, you feel cheated. Yeah, that's yeah. their. I mean, thing is always said he'll never walk on stage and not play Roxanne. That's their Roxanne. Yeah. So that's my number one, Everlong. Yeah, and they it's, do, and they do what all good bands do, and they do alternate versions of that. Yeah. And I remember for a long time, and I actually got this bootleg. They it, it was it just him. It was just him on Howard Stern. Oh, he did, yeah. He did this acoustic kind of really, really torn down version of that. Yep. And it became 
like a, a thing. Like people were like, did you hear that version? And he did on Stern. It became like the Stern version of Everlong. I used to have several versions of it because I, I used to have Kazaa on right. one of my old computers and that Kazaa eventually destroyed my computer. But <laughs> um, yeah. And so I had, I had a lot of those things. Yeah. A lot of those songs that were hard to find, I was able to find on Kazaa. Mm-hmm. And so I remember having several versions of that on, on Kazaa. Well, that one whole album they did, Skin and Bones, was uh, yeah. like they did My Hero. They did that kind of stuff, and it was the, it was all these like like I said, torn down acoustic versions of their hits, and that's what good people do. They they take it and they change it. And I mean, I have I can't even tell you how many copies of certain songs I have Bruce Springsteen singing. He'll change the melody. He'll change the words. Like it's a totally different song. Um, so that's what good people do. Mm-hmm. All right, what about honorable mentions? I'll I'll give my. You said two, right? Let's let's keep it at two. Okay, my first honorable mention is another more popular song than some of the others. It's the Pretender. Okay, um, from Echo Sounds, Patience and Grace. Uh, that's another that's another hard rock and you know get you, you drive ten miles an hour faster when that song is on. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, that song. That's again the album kick, kicks off Echo Silence. Or Echo, whatever the name of that album is, kicks that that record off, and it's just like a kick in the face. It's really great. I love yeah. that. And my other honorable mention is another cover uh, because I love the original as well. And this was another like B side. Um, where is it? It was on the Have It All single. Mm. It's a B side, and I don't know. Maybe it's because he just died, and I like the song anyway. But it's their version of Prince's "Darling Nikki." I have never heard that. It's so good. And they do the same thing. Like, that's a great song anyway. He doesn't really stray too far from what Prince does, even yeah. when Prince is singing it. And it's a it's a dirty song. <laughs> I mean, it's one of Prince's, like, sex songs. Yeah. Not, and, like, there's, there's about four dozen of them. But this is one of them. And it's them just giving it a tribute, you know? Like, and this was, this was, this was on that album. I mean, this was that long ago. So... Yeah, it's great. Yeah, no, I, I've I have never heard that. I, I and you know what? I I didn't even realize I was on uh, uh, iTunes and I saw they have a free EP that I downloaded, but I haven't listened to it yet. Saint Cecilia. Oh yeah, yeah, it's five songs. What? That I had never heard. I, it came out last year. Saint Cecilia EP, five songs free on iTunes. I was like, cool, but I When's haven't listened this? to them right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it right here in my iTunes library. I'm doing it right now. There you go. Talk talk amongst yourself, Tim. (laughs) So while while you're downloading the Saint Cecilia EP, I uh, I have my two my two um, honorable mentions, and one of them is mainly because of the video. (laughs) (laughs) My dog loves Foo Fighters too. Yeah, the video and the song for Long Road to Ruin. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I love I love that video where it's a nineteen seven. It takes place on the set of a nineteen seventies soap opera with him and um, what what's the what's what's her name from Parks and Rec? Yeah, um, Rashida Ella, Jones. Uh, Rashida Jones. Yeah, yeah, and it's such a funny video. Everybody's you know there are people crying. There's love triangles. He is so funny. That's I mean, we were going to talk about the videos. You're absolutely right. That is my favorite, favorite Foo <laughs> Fighters video. Like most people go to 
learning fly. You know, it's yeah. it's really funny and tenacious D's in it and all that kind of stuff. That is my favorite one because of the soap opera stuff and his wig. And he spends that whole video crying. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes, because he go, he actually supposed, I think they're making fun of Rick Springfield. Because he goes from being like a soap opera actor and he's going to quit the soap opera to become a pop star. You remember yeah. that? Mm-hmm. And then he, he's wearing the tight pants and he's dancing <laughs> at the mall. And everyone likes him. <laughs> he's so funny in that. Yeah, you know what? I think you're right. Because, yeah, because Rick Springfield was like this TV heartthrob on General Hospital before. Well, he, he Rick Springfield was like a uh, like a, a teeny bopper in Australia before he even made a name for his name for himself as an actor in in, in America. So yeah, I I never put that together that 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 was Rick Springfield, but you're probably right. I never <laughs> thought of that. That and and I don't know if this counts, but you you had mentioned it earlier. Um, when he did when he did Tiny Dancer on Craig Kilburn. That's what it was. It was Craig Kilborn. Um, that I love that. I I love that version of the song because he 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 references like almost famous and which was which was apparently out at the time that they did that. Whenever he was on Craig Kilburn, though, like that, those two had like a special like relationship, I guess, where he would go on that show and he would he would give it his all, one hundred and ten percent, to be funny. He would be in skits. He would do cover song, all sorts of crazy stuff on that show. So when Craig Kilburn went off the air, I remember thinking to myself, "Ah, oh, we're not going to get any more cool Foo Fighters stuff now." <laughs> That's very cool. Are there any other videos that stand out to you? The I do I do like the 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 learning to fly one, um, and I like I like the band video for Low with him and Jack Black. Dressing yeah. up in drag and just tearing apart a, a hotel room. Yeah, they're like they're like truckers. They're yeah. like they're like like all all tough, and then they do that. <laughs> That's great. That's why his relationship with with comedians and funny people. I mean, he was in the Muppets. He yeah. was the he was the he was Satan in in the Pick of Destiny. Like he <laughs> he can act. Like he can do all that stuff. And the other guys can too. I mean, I've I've gone on like I I. I like these guys. Like, I, I mean, um, I bought Taylor Hawkins' album. It's Taylor the Hawkins and the Coattail Riders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get up and want to get down. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I like his stuff. I like all of them. They're, they're, they're great. The whole band is talented. Uh, I, I think, I think they're all, they, they all fit very well. It took them a while to get to that, that lineup. But, uh, but yeah. And I would, with Foo Fighters, they, they even, I even spent like 25 bucks to go watch. Remember that documentary they put out about when um, Wasting Light came out? Yes. The back and forth. I paid $25 to go see that in a movie theater. Wow. And, you know, you got that. And then they they had a, quote, live performance in 3D of them playing the entire Wasting Light album. <laughs> and uh, and then two days later, they show the thing for free on freaking VH1 Classic. I was like, $25? You're paying for the uh, the experience. They were, and that place was packed. They had two theaters completely sold out to watch a Foo Fighters documentary. They always do stuff like that. Even that waste, Wasting Light was the one that came with, if you bought the deluxe edition, it came with a piece of the... Uh, with the, Of the actual, like, a magnetic the, tape. Yeah, the tape. Like, I have that. I actually, because actually, I'm a dork, I have it framed. Mm. I, I got a little tiny frame and put that in there. Because you own a piece of the actual... 
tape. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of their last album, Sonic Highways? I bought it. I listened to it a lot. I don't have a single thing on it on my yeah. list here, but uh, I like the documentary that was on HBO. I haven't watched it. I haven't watched yeah. it. It's 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 definitely good because they, it shows how much they appreciate music history and and all that kind of stuff and just the the art of making music. So. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the album, but it does have a few points, and I and I like the concept behind it. But overall, I was like. Yeah, not that great of a record. Yeah. Well, maybe Saint Cecilia will uh, light your fire. I've yeah, already, I was like, yeah, come on, Saint Cecilia. I've just downloaded. Yeah, I mean, if you're listening to this like soon, I don't know when this is going to be put out. There's five free songs on iTunes. You just go on and get them. Get them. Get them. Saint Cecilia. All right, Tim. Do you have yeah. anything else to add? No. It's just uh, D- Dave Grohl is is. I'm I'm pretty pretty cool around people of note and celebrities, but Dave Grohl is one of those guys. I think I would, I would be a little overexcited if I had the opportunity to, to be around him. Yep. You would get moist. (laughs) I would. I've known people who have, who have met him and have said nothing but nice things about him and and said one, one, one of my friends, uh, Grohl bought him a beer while they were in Australia. So it's like right on. So he's, so apparently he's a class class act, a top man, but I've never met the guy. Very cool. He actually also, he did something personally for me, which uh, isn't a big deal now because my son's 14, but somebody was being inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that they inducted. Or maybe it was when Nirvana was inducted. Oh, and a few years ago, yeah. He gave his speech, and I'm for a while anyway, pretty uh, sheltered uh, as far as what I let my son hear. Um, it's not as bad now because he's 14. But the two people that taught my son the F word <laughs> were Chase Utley after the Phillies won the World Series. And people from Philadelphia don't know what I'm talking about. And Dave Grohl on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> so my son learned the F word from Dave Grohl. <laughs> when I lived in Washington, D.C., because that's where Grohl is from, I, uh, I, I was constantly like, I would go to the the nine thirty club because Grohl was a big fan of that. Even though when he was going to the nine thirty club, it was in a different location, but he still holds that place in high regard. I would go see shows at he he co owned a club called the Black Cat, which he may or may not still have a piece of. And I remember I would always shop at the Tower Records that he used to work in. And every time I walked to the Tower Records, I'd be like, Dave Grohl used to work here. <laughs> so yeah, I, I and and I would I would go and. And shop at the Springfield Mall, and I would be like wondering, like, I wonder if Dave Grohl's in town. So yeah, when I lived in D.C., I was all about Dave Grohl everywhere. When I was like hoping to see Dave Grohl on the street, I never did. No, it would have been something. You would have got moist. I would have. Whoosh. <laughs> all right. David. Well, on that. <laughs> oh God. On that note, I guess we can uh, we can wrap this up. Thank you for listening to the best of fives. Um, tune in again because we're going to do this with all the bands we like and uh, I know Tim of anybody that I know I uh, respect your opinion on music more than anybody so I'd I'd love to do this again we'll do the bands we've seen and stuff like that so uh, best of fives Kajagugu oh yeah absolutely (laughs) two shot of shy one through five (laughs) through five and uh, never ending story is my honorable mention Lamal (laughs) (laughs) thank you Thanks for listening.